What a great song. What a, what a great truth. We are, if you are doing your Bible reading schedule that we handed out at the uh, beginning of this year, how many are doing it? How many are up to date? Uh, that's about half of the ones that are doing it. Uh, just keep, keep at it. Uh, if you are doing this, following it, you know that uh, yesterday uh, we started reading the book of Leviticus. Um, I'm not going to ask you to admit this, but that's kind of where a lot of us start speed reading the Bible. Uh, burnt sacrifices and, and all those other things and, you know, uh, all these different laws and so forth. It's going to spend several chapters about leprosy, something we deal with a lot, uh, and so forth. And we do have a tendency sometimes in some places of the Bible uh, to do that. But uh, may, can I remind you, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture. And is profitable. That's what the New Testament teaches us. And uh, I, I want us to be careful as we are reading through our Bibles that we, we don't just automatically write some sections off because uh, we kind of know what's coming and, and so forth. Because you see, tucked even in places like Leviticus and Numbers, in the genealogies, things like that, God has some amazing gems of truth for us if we will take the time to look for them. We are in Leviticus chapter 19 tonight, and it's a subject that, believe it or not, is discussed quite a number of times in the Bible. Um, as the, the law is going forth on their day-to-day -day lives and, and, and their uh, relationships one with another, again, verse 35, the Lord says, Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, in meet your admit. That means in how you measure distances. You're going to sell a plot of land, uh, and it's going to be so many you know, yards long and, and, or whatever. You're, you want to make sure you don't fudge on that, that uh, your yardstick is 36 inches and not 35 and a half. That's what meat yard is in weight or in measure. And, and, and measure there is about dry goods, bushels, and, and things like that. Uh, he said, just balances. Just weights, a just ephah, and a just hind shall ye have. I am the Lord your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Um, so God's people, this is the first time this subject has come up to them, but it's not going to be the last. If you want to keep your place here and turn with me to um, Deuteronomy chapter 25. Deuteronomy chapter 25. It's going to come up again. This is a next generation of Israelites, so much of the Mosaic laws being repeated to them. Look, if you would, please, in verse number uh, 13, Deuteronomy 25 and verse 13. Thou shalt not have in thy bag divers, that means diverse weights, a great and a small. Um, in, in those days when, when they didn't use coins a lot, money was weighed out, uh, and so forth, and you'd have a chunk of silver or sometimes iron, copper, various things that were used uh, uh, in commerce and so forth. And uh, they would have, you know, uh, a weight that was supposed to be exactly in, in our terms, you know, uh, so many grams or pounds or ounces, something like that. He said, you want to make sure that in your bag you don't have two different sets, one for when you're buying and one for when you're selling, one's bigger and one's smaller. Um, he said, thou shalt not have in thy house divers measures, a great and a small. But thou shalt have a perfect and just weight, 
a perfect and just measure shalt thou have, that thy days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So again, it's that practical day-to-day business dealings. In other words, don't cheat other people. Don't, don't, don't uh, have uh, unjust balances and so forth. In Deuteronomy, uh, the Lord added uh, an addendum to that whole thing. Look at verse 16. For all that do such things and all that do unrighteously are in what? An abomination unto the Lord. If you take some time and study the word abomination uh, in the Bible, it is the strongest term that God uses about his, uh, God's attitude towards sin. God refers to homosexuality as an abomination. God refers to incest as an abomination. God refers to witchcraft as an abomination. God refers to kidnapping as an abomination. I mean, these are the sins that are up there. Do you see that God said, if you, if you have an unjust balance, if you're cheating people uh, in, in length, in, in uh, weight, in any of these things, all that do that, God said, they're an abomination to the Lord. By the way, that's the same word God uses to describe those who sow discord among brethren, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. He doesn't just say that the sin of sowing discord among brethren is an abomination. He said all they that do so are an abomination to the Lord. Uh, We have a very different way of seeing things from the way God does. We we see, well, yeah, of course witchcraft is is an abomination and, and, and homosexuality, that is an abomination. God said, so is your nasty tongue. Hmm. Not a single amen on that one, but uh, uh, that's Bible. You argue with God about that. Don't argue with me. If you want to fight with me on it, just stick your head in a balloon and fight for air. You'll get further. Um, God, God has some very strong things to say about it. Turn to the book of Proverbs. I thought this was going to be one of these nice, easy little sermons and all that. I think the mean part's over. Look at Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11, and here we see the statement, and since I was already mean, I'll just read the verse and you'll, you'll get it. Proverbs 11, verse 1, a false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Let's consider the second part of the verse. This is a little more positive here. When God sees us treating other people fairly in our business dealings and so forth, it, is, it, it delights the heart of God. He loves to see us being honest with each other. He loves to see us treating each other fairly. A just weight is his delight. Proverbs 16. Proverbs chapter 16. And uh, let me make sure that I've, I've got this right. I just love it. Proverbs 16, verse number 11. A just weight and balance are the Lord's. That's how God deals with us. God never deals with us unfairly. God is always right. He's always just. A just weight and balance are the Lord's. All Lord's, all the weights of the bag are his work. How many want God to treat you fairly? Okay. 
Um, so we, we all want that. That truth is placed in there and we have the, uh, the assurance from God that, that whatever God says is right and however God deals with us is right, God is never gonna treat us unjustly or unfairly. So this idea of just weights, just balances, if we can get you back to Leviticus 19, uh, one more time. Um, just, just understand that he, he says again, ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, in meat yard, in weight, or in measure. Just balances. The word just means right or equal or fair. That's what the word just means. Bible days, uh, they would often, when they were selling things, uh, they would have a balance. You've seen them, uh, uh, Lady Justice, or uh, at courthouses, you'll see the statue, um, and she's blindfolded because justice is supposed to be blind. Uh, it's not supposed to play favorites, but in one hand, she'll have a, a set of scales, uh, almost always depicted that way. That's a balance and so forth, Okay. Um, it's, so he's saying uh, we're to have just balances, uh, just weights. That's referring to the, the whatever we put on there, the chunks of lead or so forth that we say is a pound or we say is an ounce. A just ephah, an ephah was about three-fifths of a bushel, okay? And that was a measurement they used for grain, uh, things like that. And a just hen, that's a liquid measurement. A hen is about a gallon worth of liquid. We don't use those measurements today uh, and so forth, but in, in Bible days, they were very familiar and they would understand them. So God has, has, is teaching his people about having a just balance. Now, the Lord puts some very big importance on these commandments. Uh, we've considered a couple of them. First of all, uh, a just weight or an unjust weight was a reflection of the individual's relationship to the Lord. Would you notice verse 35 of Luke 19 says, ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, meet your weight or in measure. Um, how, we, how honest we are with other people in our dealings um, is, a, is a, uh, an indication of our relationship with the Lord. The second thing for the children of Israel, um, their longevity in the land of Canaan, whether God was going to let them stay there or God was going to have to bring judgment on them was actually tied to this commandment of just weights and measures. We went to Deuteronomy 25. I should have probably told you to put something there. Uh, can you go back there for a moment? Uh, uh, Deuteronomy 25 and verse 15, but thou shalt have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and just measure shalt thy have. And here's the promise, that thy days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. You know, this is one of those things we don't stress enough. We, we don't think is all that important. But uh, we need to understand that, that God really puts an awful lot of emphasis on this. Uh, we learn that God delights when, when we use just weights and balances, when we're honest in those matters. We looked at Proverbs 11.1, 1, a false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. God places a great, a great deal of st uh, stock in this. Turn to the book of Amos. Amos. Yeah, you're gonna have fun finding that one, aren't you? Amos chapter eight. Old Testament, Amos chapter 8. 
One of the happiest days in my young Christian life is when I discovered the book of Index in the front of my Bible and it told me what page to find all these things on. Anybody else with me on that? Of course, those of you using your phone or your iPad, you just tap something and you can be there. Look at Amos chapter 8. Amos is a judgment book. He was a judgment prophet. Hear this, O ye that swallow up the needy, even to make the poor of the land to fail saying, when will the new moon be gone that we may sell corn and the Sabbath that we may set forth wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel great and falsifying the balances by deceit. Uh, you see this matter of just weight, just balances or unjust, it goes to the heart of, of integrity and honesty, things that God values a great deal. Now, I realize that today we don't use those type of things in, in our business dealings and so forth, but God has set forth a principle here about the subject of a false balance and so forth. And I want to just kind of talk a little bit uh, today. We're not weighing money or anything like that, but there's, uh, there's this idea of honesty and integrity and uh, uh, being what we profess to be that is very important to the Lord. I want you to consider that even as believers today, we don't have a set of brass scales weighing out, you know, uh, you know some chunks of silver or gold when we go to stop and shop to buy our groceries. Uh, but that whole principle... Uh, is put into practice in our daily lives in a lot of ways. Here's a false balance that a lot of believers are guilty of. A false portrayal. A false portrayal. Can I get you to look at the book of Titus? A, a false portrayal. That means that we present ourselves as one thing, but the reality is something else. In verse number 18 of uh, I'm sorry, I, I was still in Timothy. Let me get to Titus chapter one. Please look unto um, verse 15. Under the pure, all things are pure. But unto them which are that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Have you ever worked with someone or met someone that has such a dirty mind that everything that anybody says or does around them, they take it in a dirty manner? How many know what I'm talking about? That's what he's talking about. That person that's got that defiled conscience, they see everything from a dirty lens and so forth. Look at verse 16 about these people, though. They profess that they know God. Sure, I'm saved. Yeah, I know the Lord. They might even be able to recite to you some moment in time where they supposedly got saved. They profess that they know God, but in works they what? They deny him being, and what's the next word? Abominable. Remember, a, a false balance is abomination to the Lord. Look, when, when you and I profess that we are saved, profess that we know God, but our works don't line up with that, when our words don't line up with that, do you understand that that is abominable in the eyes of God? They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. They don't even feel bad about it. They don't even feel guilty about it. They have no regrets. They don't come under conviction about it. Reprobate is a very scary place to be. When a person becomes reprobate, God stops working on them. That's a false balance to say, well, sure, I'm saved, but I talk like I'm unsaved. 
I act like I'm unsaved. I behave like I'm unsaved. Turn your Bibles to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. A false portrayal. We present ourselves as we love God, we know God, but it's not true. Verse number 20, 1 John chapter 4. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a what? He is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Did you know the Bible says that a, that a, that a person that is a talebearer hates the people he's talking about? Well, I don't hate them. Well, if you're tailbearing about them, yes, you do. That's what the Bible says. So if a man say, I love God and hated his brother, God says, that's a liar. Uh, John was the apostle of love, but in, in 1 John, he uses the word liar more than any of the other apostles. He just, he doesn't hold back. He says, if, if you're going to say that you know God and that you love God, make sure that the, when the rubber meets the road, that it's the real deal, because if not, you're a liar in the sight of God. The, so the false port, portrayal. Um, we, we, can, we can put on a show when we're at church and when we're around certain people, but it's what we're like when we're not around them. Are we still behaving and talking and acting, acting like a believer? Uh, sometimes young people, they'll behave a certain way in front of Brother Rob because he's the youth pastor and they want Brother Rob to think well of him. But when they're out of earshot or eyesight of Brother Rob, it's a whole different teenager that, that emerges there. And all of a sudden the phone's coming out and they're, they're showing their friends little videos that they would never want Brother Rob to see them looking at. Or they're talking about other teenagers in a way that is, is, is wicked and mean and, and, and unkind. Now they wouldn't talk about that in front of Brother Rob or Miss Anna. That is a false balance. You are portraying yourself to be one thing around a select group of people, but that is not the reality. May I put this out there? What we are at our lowest point is what we are. Can I say that again? What we are at our lowest point is what we really are. What you are on your worst day is what you really are. I mean, the church is great. I'm hoping nobody's cussing, swearing, and selling drugs at church. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, that type of thing. You know, at church, we tend to be on our best behavior and that type of thing. And that's not always the case, but for most people it is. And that's fine and dandy. But it's really, what are you, what are you at work? What are you in the car on the ride home? What are you at home? David made the statement, said, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. That was before his sin with Bathsheba. It is too bad for David that he dropped that one night in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and, and, and put himself into sin. But, but uh, that's an amazing uh, promise to me. I will walk within my house. The pastor's not in the house with you. Your Sunday school teacher's not in the house with you. Uh, your youth pastor is not in the house with you. David said, when I'm in that place where nobody else can see but only God, I'm going to have a perfect heart in that place. We're talking about the right portrayal. God says there are people that profess they know God, but their works deny them, and that makes them abominable and reprobate in the eyes of God. John said there are people who say, oh, yeah, I love God, but you hate other people. 
And God says, you're a liar. It, it is not true. It is a false balance, your portrayal. Something else that can be a false balance. Turn to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Not just our portrayal, but our prejudices. Our prejudices. I remember some years ago, right after 9-11, it was a week or two after 9-11, we went to International Baptist Church in Brooklyn, New York. They were having a special service. Evangelist Dennis Coral was preaching there. They were inviting all the first responders in, many of them that had been to the towers um, either on that terrible day or they'd been going there as part of their duties in the days after. And they, they wanted to honor um, uh, paramedics and firemen and policemen and so many others that had, had sacrificed so much. And many of them had lost colleagues and friends, uh, that type of thing. Uh, within that church, they had lost some people that worked in the towers. And uh, we took a couple van loads down that night and so forth. And uh, we, we got there, and, and Trina and I sort of sat towards the back of the auditorium. And uh, it's called International Baptist Church, and it had a very good reason for that. Uh, they had ministries to people from all different backgrounds. Uh, seated directly behind us were people from Haiti. Um, and the Haitians speak a, a French dialect. And so somebody was quietly interpreting the service, service behind us in, in, in their dialect. And there were some Pan Spanish people over here. Uh, there were some Jamaicans over here. There were people from India over here. I mean, it was, it was just one of those things. And as we, we got in the car and we're, we were in the van, we're headed back home. Uh, Trina looked over at me. She said, I hope our church becomes like that someday to, to where we have, you know, red and yellow, black and white. They are pre I know that song is not woke and we're not supposed to say it anymore. Uh, how many grew up singing that little chorus? That wasn't about prejudice. It's just about we're all precious in the sight of God. She said, that's what I want for our church. A couple years later, we got in the car and she said, do you remember that conversation that night in Brooklyn? I said, yes, I do. She said, I counted this morning, we had in our morning service in this auditorium, people who were born and raised in 19 different countries that were sitting in our morning service. She said, isn't it amazing what God's done? Uh, God's word has no room for prejudice, none whatsoever. If you remember, Moses married an Ethiopian woman and his brother and sister complained and criticized him for it. And God smote his sister with leprosy. I'd say God had a dim view of that, didn't he? But look at James chapter 2. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Respect of persons means you treat some people better than you treat other people. For if there come under your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, there come in also a poor man in vile Raymond, so you got the wealthy guy that comes in. He's flashing his bling. You can tell he didn't buy his clothes off the rack at Target. You can tell this guy shops at Nordstrom's and all these. I mean, he's, he's dressed to the nines, that kind of thing. And uh, the, as soon as he walks in, following him comes a man, and he's described in vile raiment, meaning that this is a down and outer. This is a man whose clothes are grimy. This is a man who has odors about him that might turn the stomach just a little bit. Um, 
It's not just necessarily a, a man who came straight in from work. I don't think it's talking about that at all. It, it, this is talking about a street person in vile raiment. So two different men come in and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing. That doesn't mean he was a homosexual. The word gay just means happy or bright, that type of thing. And say unto him, sit thou here in a good place. Hey, we've got some really nice seats over here. Um, you know, you'll, you'll get a nice breeze here. You'll be able to see and hear. Well, come over here and you give him a prominent place and you say to the poor, stand thou there or sit here under my foot. So why don't you just stand on the wall or tell you what, why don't you just sit on the floor? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, we, we, we don't want to get our nice pews stained with whatever is on your clothes. He said, so you treat the rich guy really, really well and you treat the poor guy poorly. He says, are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of what? Evil thoughts. Evil. Evil is one letter short of devil. He said, when you treat people differently, in this case, based on one guy's rich and well-dressed, one guy's poor and, and just the opposite, and you're nice to the rich guy and you're, you're rude and crude and all this to the poor guy, God said you are judges of evil thoughts. See, again, we, we engage, by the way, in this kind of behavior far more often than we would be willing to admit to, but we don't see it as that bad, but God does. It's the whole purpose of, of, of God's teaching about the false balance. God sees us as a bad thing. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? Do you, you realize I've knocked on doors in all types of neighborhoods and all types of, of, of places in the country. I, I've gone door to door soul winning in England and, and, and other places like that. And I'm going to be honest with you. Oftentimes the people that live in the, the million dollar homes, they don't open the door very easy. But sometimes the people in the poor neighborhood, uh, they're a whole lot uh, easier to talk to and a lot more willing to talk to because most many times they, they already realize, I, I really need God. I, I really need something in my life. And, and, and James is reminding this, but you've despised the poor. And he's just talking now about financial prejudice. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do, do, they, do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the, writ, by the which ye are called? I don't watch the Grammys. It'll be a cold day in the lake of fire before I ever do. But I watch the news the day or after and I've read the reports uh, and so on and so forth. And uh, this year at the Grammys, uh, they just pulled away the curtain and just revealed what they're all about with a tribute to Satan. They talked about the glories of unholiness. How many know what I'm talking about? You understand the people sitting in that massive auditorium are multimillionaires. And by the way, if you're buying their records, you're supporting their ungodliness. You are financing their sin. And it's, it's really sad that they are willing to be honest and say, this is who we're all about. But there are believers that will defend that kind of music in your CD rack or on your playlist. Well, it's just music and music's neither good nor bad. They let the world know what they're all about. 
Um, uh, James is reminding you saying that's, that's what you're up against here and yet you're catering to the rich people and despising the poor. Verse eight, if ye fulfill the royal law, we are the ch children of the king, the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect of persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Now, he gave but one example, rich versus poor. But we have a lot of other ways in which we show respect of persons. Well, there's my little group of friends, and then there's the people that aren't in my little group of friends. And we'll treat our little group of friends well, but we'll make fun of the people who aren't in that group. That's respect of persons. That is judges of evil thoughts. That is a false balance. I, I, I can tease with people. Uh, I mostly tease myself, but I'm very careful, very, very careful about how I tease. Um, to put somebody down to make fun of them because they're too tall, they're too skinny, they're too heavy, they've got too many pimples, their hair's too curly, their hair's too straight, they don't wear the nice clothes like you wear, they don't have the, the technology that you have, you're a judge of evil thoughts. Young people, moms and dads, we need to be teaching our kids this. By the way, one of the best ways to get your kid over that is get them out on a bus route. Get them out on a bus run. Get them to start loving some of these kids that are coming from the poor neighborhoods. Get them to go out and see where some of these kids are living with and so forth. And, and, and to be able to sit with them in church and open a Bible with them in church and show them how to find their place. Uh, we got to understand when we're mistreating each other on reasons uh, like, like uh, they, they don't dress like we do or, or, or they're different than we are. Uh, we are judges of evil thoughts. That is a false balance. And a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. Every person that walks into a, the, the, a church such as this carries a certain amount of baggage. They carry in a certain amount of problems and we're all different. Look around. With the exception of my two granddaughters, does anybody here see anybody that's exactly like you? And they're not even exactly alike. We're, we're all different. And I realize we relate to some people a little better than others. If I were to hang around somebody and, and all they ever talk about uh, are electronics and computers, I will nod, I will be polite, and I will be bored out of my mind. It's just not my thing. I'm of the generation, I'd rather have it written down on a piece of paper than on some app on my phone that I can't remember which app I used, that type of thing. Uh, there, you know, we, we all have people that are easier for us to relate to. Um, you know, if I'm, if, if I'm standing around, there's a group of ladies and I walk up and they're all talking about knitting, I'm gonna be friendly, hey, how you doing and all that kind of stuff. I am not joining into that, that conversation at all. I don't know anything about it. I don't wanna know anything about it. I don't care anything about it, but I'm not gonna treat them bad just because I'm not part of their group. I'm gonna be glad they're here and I'm gonna smile at them and I'm gonna be as kind to them as the people that I like, both of them. Some of you didn't even get that. <laughs> a false balance. For, you, for us to portray ourselves as, oh yeah, I know God, but we live like the devil, that's a false balance. And God says that's abominable and reprobate. To say I love God, 
but I'm tail-bearing and backbiting and gossiping and slandering about others and, and I hate my brother. The Bible says I'm a liar. That's a false balance. That's an abomination to the Lord. To treat other people differently based on things that don't matter. Things that don't matter at all. That is a false balance. That's an abomination to the Lord. And one last thing, a false balance, wrong priorities. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Priority is something that you deem to be important, something that is of value to you. The Bible says in verse 33 of Matthew chapter 6, but seek ye first, you might want to circle the word first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He's talking to them, don't, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink, where, where you're going to live, what you're going to be clothed with. He said, God already knows what you need. God can take care of you. Make your first priority the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Um, when I was a youth pastor, I'm sure Brother Rob does a similar thing. I, I would counsel young people God's given you certain talents and God's given you certain interests. But before you just say, I'm going to go for this because I can make a lot of money. Why don't you ask God, God, what do you want me to do? Put God first. I wanted to be a writer from the time I was a child. I, I was telling Sam the other day, the only thing that I, I couldn't write well was poetry. Anytime I tried to write poetry, it usually came out as really stupid. But I love to write. I've, I've won every essay contest in the state of Pennsylvania that I ever entered in my entire life. Um, my goal was to be a writer, but there was nothing wrong with that. In high school, I, I, my guidance counselor helped me uh, pick out my, my, my subjects and so on and so forth so that I could step into college into a, a uh, my, my goal was journalism, uh, so that I could just step right in and be as prepared as possible uh, to begin the pursuit of that with my life. There was nothing wrong with that. But the truth of the matter is I'd never prayed about it. When I was a child, I wasn't saved yet. I didn't understand God had a plan and I had to find God's plan. But on June 28, 1974, God revealed his plan to me and I was at a youth conference and I knew God was speaking to my heart and I knew that God was calling me to preach. I already had a scholarship to the University of Pittsburgh, a free ride. I already had that. Um, I wasn't going to go to the University of Pittsburgh to learn how to be a preacher. I already knew that much. And uh, I wrestled with God on it. And that night I had to make a choice. Is it going to be what Tom wants? Or is it going to be what God wants? It was about a two and a half hour invitation, which was good. That's how long it took me to wrestle through with that. But that night I made one of the most important decisions of my life. Maybe next to salvation, the most important. I said, okay, God, if this is what you want, this is what I'll do. And what Tom wanted became what God wanted or vice versa. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You say, do you regret that? Not a bit. Not a bit. Um, I'm in the center of God's will for my life and there's no safer or better place to be. Seek ye first our priorities, putting God first. Turn to the book of Haggai. There I go again. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. So it's right towards the end of the Old Testament. So find Matthew and just go backwards. And you'll get there in just a few pages. 
Haggai chapter 1. Haggai was one of two prophets, he and Zechariah, that God sent to the city of Jerusalem. Under the days of Ezra, they had started building the temple. They laid a foundation, and then they just quit. They just quit. And so God raised up two preachers, Haggai and Zechariah, to go back and get these people going again. Look what God says in verse 2, Haggai chapter 1. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? That means houses with beautiful ceilings. Ceilings of artwork, or sometimes in some cases, mosaic work on the, on the ceiling. Uh, and so you're building these, these beautiful homes for yourself, and God's not saying it's wrong to have one. He's saying, but you're saying, I, now's not really a good time to, you know, be building the temple. I mean, uh, that's a lot of money to invest, and, you know, there's a lot of other things that, that, that ought to be done. And so the Lord's asking them, I uh, said, this people say the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Uh, God says in verse 4, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses in this house, meaning the house of God, to lie waste? Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but you're not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm and he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. God said, your priorities are wrong. You're looking out for number one. Good for you. How's that working out for you? You're never satisfied. You're working hard. You just don't seem to be getting anywhere. You're really not happy. He said, here's what you do. Go up to the mountains and start hewing timber. Start hauling it down to the city. And you start building the house of God and you just see what I'll do for you. See, a false balance is where, where we say, well, well God is great and, and God is good, but, the, you know, it's time for me to look out for number one and, and, and I'm, I'm going to live for me. Those are, those are wrong priorities. It's, it's a false balance and it doesn't fit in God's economy. Now, I would, I would dare say none of us are going to go out tonight and do a sacrifice to Satan and practice witchcraft. I, I, I think I'm safe in saying nobody here is going to go do that. Um, I don't think anybody here is going to go kidnap somebody and hold them for ransom. I, I, I don't in, in any way think that that's going to happen. Um, a lot of other things in the Bible that are called an abomination, there's no doubt in my mind nobody in this room is going to be guilty of any of those. But I wonder, are we guilty of a false portrayal? Are we professing that we know God, but we talk like an unsaved person and we act like an unsaved person? We're one thing at church or we're one thing in front of certain people and we're a completely different thing elsewhere. We profess that we know God, but in works we deny him. The Bible says abominable. That's a false balance. And I wonder, we wouldn't do those other big bad things. In fact, we would amen if the preacher preaches against them. But we'll get real quiet about that one. I'm wondering tonight if we're guilty of respective persons. Is there anybody you're, you're having a good time making fun of? 
Anybody that you almost like excluding them because you like how upset it makes them? Is there anybody that you shun? That's respect of persons. You become a judge of evil thoughts. That's a false balance. How are our priorities? Does, does God really have first place or is he just somewhere on the list? But he's not premier. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. I believe God loves it when he looks down and he sees someone that professes they know Christ and they're the real deal. That's what he saw when he looked at Job. Hast thou considered my servant Job that there's none like him in all the earth? Do you know that Joseph, in, in the book of Genesis, Joseph could stand in Pharaoh's palace. Joseph could commune with him. He could counsel him. He could, he could live in the splendor that the Pharaoh of Egypt bestowed upon him. But Joseph could sit in prison with convicts and take care of them on a daily basis with as much compassion and concern as he had for Pharaoh's household. Is it any wonder Joseph's held up in the word of God as such a remarkable individual? A false balance. Are we guilty? A just weight is his delight. Can we pray together? Father, thank you for the Bible.